This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and we are live on the air on our Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook channels with Bren, Benji Bradshaw. What's up? Hi, everybody. And, and where are you right now? I'm in New York right now. I'm up cool. in Harlem area. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. I'm in New Hampshire, so we're all in the, we're in the awesome. same zone, different, different realities. Yep, totally. <laughs> so we want to, you might see here, we have a sponsor. And before we get into the depth interview, we like to do like a behind the music type of interview. But nowadays we do have a sponsor. So we're going to bring up um, uh, Double Jack Online. They're from Germany. They do philanthropic online lottery. So you can play Kino, you can do Powerball, and a percentage of the profit goes to um, uh, charity. And so you take your cell phone right now and you scan that and you can get into it. Uh, in the U.S., you have to use like a VPN, but outside mm -hmm. the U.S., everywhere else, you don't have to do that. So it's Great. just a cool thing to get into it. And um, now we'll actually get to the program and Benji Bradshaw. What we want to do also is actually show what we like to do on this program is actually show a person's work that we have a YouTube video that we're going to go into. And then after that, we're going to get into the details of like what you did to create the video, what's behind the video, and then the whole history of you, why you got into music and everything like that. So we're going to start that. So I'm going to queue it up. You see, I got it queued up. And so this video, maybe just a little bit about it, maybe tell people like what the setting is and what the, what, what the song's about initially. Of course, yeah. So this is for a recent um, festival I did um, called Festival Tropicaus, which was a festival in Brazil. Um, a lot of ind indie artists and performers. And so this was actually filmed on my friend's rooftop in Brooklyn, New York, um, about September. So it was a nice evening. And the song is called La Rona, which is short for the coronavirus. <laughs> it's my oh, take wow. on the coronavirus. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty comical. Um, we could talk about it after, but basically that's what the song's about. And I wrote it during the first month um, when we were in quarantine of COVID. So that was about August, April 2020. Okay. That's cool. So let me get into it. I'm going to play it and I'll put awesome. you on mute and then we'll get into it. Coronavirus. It's full of time. But love will heal itself. I don't need you so much. 
pretty cool video I, I i like i dig it because i'm a big uh fan of new wave yeah <laughs> totally yeah i mean because i, mean, I kind of grew up with like joy division new order pet shop boys cure I man as Amazing. a synthesizer player that's kind of where I, my head was at um yeah in the 80s like my child in the 70s and they, when mtv showed up i was like wow you know one of the first bands i saw was like joy division that later became new order wow I, I, I set the tone for why i like like electronic music and totally uh, especially new romantic uh, music because what's cool about new romantic is you had like duran duran and even before that david bowie had this thing where he was always you know kind of doing these like um you know he wasn't himself he would play right. like a, like ziggy ziggy stardust right. or aladdin scene and it was always just like okay well you can be more right than just some guy in blue jeans playing a guitar you can totally. actually put on a show like a yep. Freddie Mercury, you know, yep. you can actually have a stage persona that's like different than maybe your regular life that you, your day job, but you, you come out and you perform because people want to have a show. I mean, is that kind of your perspective? Like why you uh, have, have this kind of new wave kind of feel? Totally. To your yeah. Brain? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, that's what's always been, I resonate with that kind of uh, experience is that escape essentially. Like for me, it's all about the escape. It's like, mm. I, I mean, I wish I could just not dress up. I wish I could. I really, I mean, I've tried it. I've you tried to just- out there like Lady Gaga when she first came out and yeah. she, she wasn't Gaga. Right, and, right. And it didn't work. <laughs> it just didn't work. And it's like, yeah. you know, and some people can do it. There's a lot of artists that like, 
can do it even nowadays. I mean, back even back then, there were artists that were just themselves, quote unquote. But you know, it's like I think for me, in order for me to get on a stage or for me to perform, I 100% have to escape who I am, like in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and become this other other you, this other me, other me. And so, yeah, David Bowie is a great example. Um, you know. It's funny because my actually it's it's not even a new wave thing, but the first performer I ever saw, like, and I looked at them and was like, I want to be them, <laughs> was Shaka Khan. Yeah, um, yeah, it was yeah. like a live performance, but I was like, oh my god, she just has like all this glamour and like a yeah, huge yeah, fur private. coat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I so that was my first time I ever saw, it. and then it was like David Bowie, and then it was even like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which isn't really a pop mainstream yeah, artists yeah. but like I mean, just yeah, like you know yeah the meatloaf vibe would kind meatloaf, of meatloaf yeah opera. yeah yep. meatloaf like if you think about meatloaf is this big over-the-top rock opera yes and Steinman is building these things it's you know and i always i i grew up with like tommy and Quarantine oh great yeah and, and and stuff like that and pink floyd and mm -hmm. so i was always kind of gravitating and i think if you play synth you tend to gravitate toward bands like yes and genesis and what do they do rock operas right, right. and so and then, so I always kind of liked the idea that you could, you could not just do a two minute love song, right? You could have like these 10 minute things, <laughs> you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody and mm -hmm. Freddie Mercury. Like, mm -hmm. He said, I don't care. <laughs> they say you can't play it on the radio. Right. So right. Queen actually went and did a video and got it on TV. And then that made the song get on the radio because the radio programmers were like, we can't play something that long. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, it just had to be. And he said, well, this is going to be, I'm the writer and yep. this song has to be this long and I'm not cutting it down. I love it. I love <laughs> I it. That, I think that's what's cool about singer songwriters. Yeah. And I like to talk to people like in this lane is because you kind of, you're doing what you want to do, you know? Totally. Yep. And, and maybe yeah. talk about like how you got into music and like why you got into certain types of music and how you've progressed and stuff like that. So maybe day one, like, what got you into music? Yeah, day one. So I would say high school. Um, so my I should say this too. My dad, so I grew up in the music household. My dad is an experimental sound artist as well. Like he does, but he's also guitarist. So he plays guitar. He loves experimenting with sound. So growing up, I always had like an electric guitar in my ear because he was like bashing out, you know, in the crowd, in the house. <laughs> so in high school, hey, Naomi, Moise, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, so when I was there, Keiko, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt the interview. I'm just saying hi to everybody. This is good to see everyone. I'm like Twitch fam. Love you. You love, love you, Johnny. Love you guys. So, okay. Sorry. So the question. So in high school, uh, so my dad got me a guitar and it was a shiny blue sparkly like this guitar. And I can't remember what type it was, but I just would start there on the guitar. And then my dad got me like a little synthesizer, like a Casio, very small like yeah. tiny tiny um but i just found that easier because the guitar you had to know that how to play guitar <laughs> i yeah, mean you have to know how to since, yeah. since you can, like you can you can struggle without even knowing piano because yes because they can they can do more than a piano right so, so you can write mm -hmm. like the midi keyboards today people just like use them to like sketch whatever they're gonna do totally so like, for me i was lucky in that sense and you know and I think for a lot of what I do, I'm lucky because even with the production, it's like I'm on the computer all the time. But anyway, so that's kind of how it started. And then I like was in high school writing a song about someone I liked. At that time, it was actually a girl that I was like, oh, I like this girl in school. <laughs> so who, anyway, we don't have to get into all that. But, <laughs> but basically, so that's how it started. And then in terms of like the synth and like the 80s 
inspiration. That really happened after my grad school. So I came to New York. Uh, and then in, after I finished my master's program, I decided one day and there was summer, it was like a hot summer night. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to just go back to music. I want to write my own stuff. And that's where I started really getting into synth synth uh, electric music and dance music and like just kind of basically coming, making my dreams come to life, essentially. Well, I think that thing that I like about New Wave was like I started with like rock and roll bands, right? I, I had like my brother play guitar. And I had this guy that, in my, that I knew from music class that was a drummer. And we started like traditional rock and roll bands. Right. And then I heard like Joy Division and then they became like New Order. And I'm like, oh, you can do this other thing. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can you can actually take these synths. And I saw Duran Duran. I said, oh, wow. So I went to the guitar center, whatever. And they're like, what's the cheapest synth I can get? And, so, and I just found that because then you could, I actually would start to write all the songs. Yeah. And like where before, if in a rock band, it's like the, the band got to all be there to write, right? right. You pretty much got to be in the in the basement and slug it out for hours trying to write the song. And then if you once you had these keyboards, you're like, oh, I can do the drums, I can do the bass, I can do everything, right? And even this is even before MIDI and this is before DAWs, like the keyboards had these workstations and you could actually do the whole song, and that would show up to the practice, and then the rest of the people was like, wow, you actually have the chords, you have the bass parts. But we're going to change it. But like it would give people like a demo, right? So I'd show up with the demo, and I think that's why. What I think it's cool about electronic music is like if you're one person, you don't have to wait for the drummer to show up. You don't got to wait for the bass player to show up. You could actually go right and say, "I'm going to do this," and if you've got the drive, you can yeah. get it done, right? Totally. And that's a huge. Exactly what you said is really why I got into it in that way because I didn't have a band. I didn't have the energy to find people, you know, I just wanted to like lock myself in my bedroom and just create <laughs> essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of like the nowadays, the DAWs and the electronic music and everything is you can literally stay inside and just create the music you want and you can create the drums, you can create that. Now I'm not saying there's something very special about the live instrument. So I, I acknowledge that and I'm not trying to say that I prefer, I mean, I would love if I, in a perfect world, I would have the live drummer and like have yeah, it. Everybody gets a band you know, bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when we get to that point, then we'll get a band. But for now it's like, I gotta just create it as I, as I go. But yeah, yeah that's why like, I fell in love. Yeah, if you look at hip hop, right? Hip hop today, when they go on tour, a lot of band, hip hop bands actually have backing bands. Right. They actually have players. Right. But like the whole idea of hip hop was like, okay, I can't get a garage. I'm in an apartment in the inner city and I can't I can't do what those guys do in the suburbs. I don't have a basement band. I don't have a garage band. I actually right. have to do it on the laptop. You know, but, yeah. And so I can understand that. But even now that when you get out on stage, you're like, okay, they'll they'll have horn sections, they'll have drummers. Or, wow. Because like like as you progress, you know, you, you find like, yeah, having a real having somebody play violin or something. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, if you have somebody playing a real piano, okay. Yeah. It's always going to sound better than what you do in a box, but totally, you know, what you do in a box is like how you get out there. Exactly. You know, how, you, how you get on YouTube, how you get a follow and how people start finding out about you because you took the drive. And this is the question I always ask is like, why did you want to express yourself through music? And what made you feel like some people get into music and they all they do is like they're studio musicians or classical. They never write their own music. They mm -hmm. wait for somebody, you know, they're a really good player, but they don't really write their own. Yeah. What made you want to write your own music? Probably because I'm a control freak. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's like 
it, all I can say is that I just had this idea and I was like, I want to create this experience for myself because there's some reason in me that needs to express myself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's basically it. And I was okay putting myself on the, on the line. You know, it was like, it wasn't about hiding behind anyone else. I mean, I am kind of in a way hiding behind my, my kind of alter your, ego, stagecraft. Yeah, your my character. stagecraft. Yeah. Your, it's your other me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, in that weird way, I was just like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, it has to be done my way and it has to be done to tell my story. So if, if, if that's kind of how I just thought of it. And so that's why when I was started to write, I actually took from my own life. It wasn't, I'm not a writer usually that takes from like a hypothetical situation. Like I always come Your from a pl- my own personal yeah. thing. So yeah, I yeah. think about the great songwriter, you think about Carol King and Neil Diamond, yeah. like Bob Dylan, they had the ability to take something in their life, you know, some pain or some kind of feeling and actually express it. So everybody understands it. And I think that's what a singer songwriter can do. A lot of what you do is like, you can take the experiences you had. And a lot of times as a songwriter, it tends to be that the negative things that happen to you, you take and make them up into art. Right. And so you take a negative and you make it a positive because you turned it into something, right? Totally. It's expressive. And some people w- can't do that. You know, people who aren't creators, they're like, how could I put myself out there? Like, they just won't do it. Right. But I think like the difference between like a creative person and a person that doesn't do that is the willingness to kind of put yourself out there. Totally. I think everybody, whether or not you say, oh, well, this isn't really about me, right? Because Dylan sometimes used to say stuff wasn't about him and it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And he would, you put layers on top of it and then people mm-hmm. come and they would look at it and say well, that's really about something that happened to him. <laughs> but he put like three characters over it right and, and masked it but it still came from him right right and so i think that's what uh, any good songwriter maybe has the ability to try to layer it out. like you think about bruce springsteen's all the characters he creates wow yeah really a lot of those are him Wow. And he creates like this version. So what is this, you know, Josie and this other person is like, okay, well, that's really like something happened to him, but he <laughs> puts it into a story and it's like, okay, to make it feel like it's, he's a novelist. Right. And I think that's the thing about music. I think it's like, it's like reading sound novels or yeah. watching a sound painting. Yeah. Because, because you can visualize, you know, really good music makes you visualize. Totally. You know, Right, because you kind of pick the picture before, unless somebody makes a video. A lot of times you hear that song and there's no video, and you're like, it triggers, yeah, things in your memory, right? It triggers totally, feelings. yeah. And the thing is, that's why I think for me, it's like, because I mean, yeah, someone could say, I want to write a book, I mean, that you could tell your story in a book form, or someone could say, I want to make a movie about my life or what I've experienced. So, f- for whatever reason, as musicians, we just decided, you know, at least I decided, like, this is the medium I want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think back to like, even what you were saying in the beginning about, um, like Quinn queen and everything with like the visual medium is like, I still feel, I think part of it for me is it, it's the music hundred percent, but it's also the visual, which is why I like all dressed up right now. It's like, you know, it's like this, yeah. there's like the storytelling. And for me, my storytelling is the song, but also the story visually, um, with the song. So in that way. I'm giving my kind of art is to show you vi- visually and sonically kind of the experience I want you to have. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely, I think, but I think the music always comes first. That's kind of the main goal is like, I want you to listen and enjoy that first. <laughs> yeah. I think you know? everybody has to have a stagecraft. I mean, I, when I originally started, 
of early ghosts. Like I, I actually, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm not wearing my costume. But uh-huh. I, at EDM, I had I have a phantom mask, like an LED, right? Mask, like an LED hoodie, and people have seen old versions of myself. The, the, <laughs> and also, like part of what I did with my story was, I never liked my voice. I was a keyboard player. I didn't sing uh-huh. for years. I only started mm-hmm. singing like in 2016. Oh and wow! My first recordings, I actually created this other me called Josephine Electric. And I saw that. And the, and the lead oh. singer of, of my band is Josephine Electric, and she's me. It, like, she's what? Yeah, I created her with vocoders. It's my voice in real time. I thought it was it someone through, else. No, it runs through synthesizers, and I created her. And what I would wow. do, like when I do play it in New York, I've done stage shows where my idea was, okay, I'm not going to make it really clear what my sexuality is. I'm going to come out as a ghost. Wow. Right? I'm a phantom and I have this phantom mask and I have this LED and LED. So it's like, okay, well, fan, a ghost could be male or female. And when totally. I, in my music, I have male voices and I have female voices. And Josephine sings like, she used to sing like 70% of the songs, but now I do more of my own stuff with my own voice. But yeah, it's just the idea that I didn't feel comfortable coming out like me. Gotcha. And so I created this other me that was Josephine. Gotcha. And it allowed me to do all these songs that like normally a guy couldn't do. Like I'm coming from a female perspective, it's like the female part of me. Wow. And so I can understand like how you know you know in different ages you had like the androgyny of Bowie. Yeah. Like you know how how uh, Prince had this androgyny to himself. He created this character yeah. called Camille. So right. like what I did with Josephine was like, what if I'd made a Camille and she actually sounded really female? Right. And so I said, I, I was kind of like taking what Prince did, but taking oh. it further because Josephine's voice is, you know, she, she's, she's a woman. She right. sounds like a woman, even though she's me. Um, wow. and, and I just think it's cool to have a stagecraft. Totally. Long, long end of the long story. Yeah. I think that you, it's like, I couldn't, I did not feel confident coming out as like me. Mm. So I created all this layering. Yeah. <laughs> on top of it so it's like i came on stage it's like well, who's that right <laughs> but i could like i think that's what you do when you're an artist because I, I didn't i didn't want to just present me right i wanted to present a show or an idea totally. yeah so I totally get what you're doing because I, I think that's like there's a lot of people today in certain parts of the industry like they they don't they don't do what we do they, uh-huh. they don't have that they come out they come out kind of as themselves but really then they say that's them and it's still a state it's still like a other them Thank you. Thank you. I mean, exactly. It's, I think at the end of the day, it's like, we're all all not ourselves, like in some way, it's because like, if you're going to do anything where you're like in a way of a performer, I just feel like it's, you're never going to be a hundred percent the you quote unquote, you're always going to kind of have to pull from someplace. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you get on stage, you're like the person you become on stage. I've talked to artists. It's kind of funny. It's like, and and they go back and look at the videotape of your performance and you didn't even know that you were doing what you did. Right. Like, sometimes you yeah. get in a zone. And I wonder, like when you get into your like stagecraft, does sometimes you get into a zone where you like if you went back and look at the playback, you're like, Well, I didn't even know I was doing that. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's times like I was like kind of mean. I was like really rude. I'm like a nice person, but like in, in, when I was performing, I was like, get over here, you come here now. And I don't remember that part, but my friend was like, Benji, you were kind of mean to me. And I'm like, oh, on stage, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm so sorry. 
Yeah, you get in a zone. I mean, if, yeah, yeah. You, I think you get the friends. You know, if you, yeah, you get the like punk rockers. They become like really animated. Right. And they kind of go like really crazy, and then you get the like you know like guys like you know Axl Rose. You know, even if you think about like um like the Who and Roger Daltrey, right. like the big lead singers of the big bands, like Aerosmith, yeah. the Who, they always presented this like like hyper sexual hyper character like, like that can't be real you right. can't be really like that <laughs> right but but that, right. that's like okay like mick jagger like yeah. you talk to mick jagger right he's a businessman wow like he just he talks like like some british businessman but when he right. goes on stage he's like this hyper sexual guy right he's, just, he's doing all his prancing and you're like wow what's that right <laughs> and then when you talk to him he's like some british noble yeah totally <laughs> totally, it's totally yeah different. yeah it's a, like, and that's the beauty of creativity is like, you can, you, it's like something that is in you and it comes out and you don't even know where it's going to take you sometimes. And, but it, it lets you kind of enjoy that side of yourself, I guess, you know, and, and kind of, you could escape and you could kind of um, pull into parts. I mean, cause that, the thing is that obviously like for Mick Jagger, he has that in him somewhere, obviously it comes out, yeah, it comes out on stage. you know, yeah, but it's like, it's yeah. It, it gives you that place where you have the permission yes to be that other you right, right. to, to right. look at like you think about like i think i love victorian poets mm. and they used to talk about the, the looking glass mm -hmm. like if you read like blake you read like tennyson and wordsworth they always they're always bringing up this looking glass and i right. bring it up in my music a lot because i love like william blake right and i love like a lot of the romantic poems like tennyson and they the way they would hide things like there's this mm. idea of like uh, sexuality in the Victorian era is all kind of layered, right? Mm -hmm. So they would talk about this thing called little death. But well, oh. little death is, 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 is a euphemism for saying like an orgasm. Oh, but, wow. It was, but it was kind of hidden. So because like they didn't want to say that, right? It's the Victorian era, so you don't want to say what I just said. But right. they would go and say about little death. And then I was like, oh, that's a cool way of saying that. Because everybody today, you know, they, they go wild you know, ask what, <laughs> yeah, right. No kind of direct. And I'm like, well, what if I use more indirect mm. connotations from like this, like sexually repressed era, but they're sneaking all the sexuality in that stuff. Like if you totally. read Victorian stuff, it's all about sex. Right. But it's like, <laughs> it's just layered, but it's hidden. Right. It's, they're trying to, they're talking about it, but they're not talking about right. it. Right. And then I was like, well, that's a cool way to do it. Yeah. You can kind of hide it. Mm hmm. And then, and then people have to figure it out. And I totally. thought, well, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's, that my approach as a writer is I try to gotcha. use stuff like that to layer. Got it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes you want to be direct and just get to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the thing. It just depends on what you kind of, your, your goal where is. Your but, at. Yeah. Where your head's at pretty much. <laughs> and my, my newest recordings are more like, oh, it's say it always where it's at. <laughs> oh, Okay. You know, okay, let's stuff, go my there. Stuff is, my stuff is kind of like it's going in 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 that direction, and people are like, "I thought you used to hide it." Like, well, I oh, guess I'm <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, get it out there. I love it. Well, you know, I I think it's like uh, in terms of music, like, do you like to do cross genre stuff? Do you like to mix, like, mm -hmm. or do you like you know? Because a lot of things going on today, it's hard to pigeonhole people. Like, I ask people, like, well, what genre would you say your music's in? And then they want to say, well, I don't really want to say a genre because it's like it's everything. Mm. So do you feel like you like if somebody's going to ask you what genre your music and what would you do? What would you tell them? So as a, so I would say it's definitely um, 
I would say two things. <laughs> I'm just, it can't be, you know, I mean, honestly, like always synth, synth way, like 80s synth is always going to be my soul, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah, yeah. the reason I created. That's the reason I started. That's the reason I always do it. Uh, in the recent years, electronic dance music, house music, techno has really influenced me so much because I think it feeds my alter ego soul in the sense that like when I hear that music, I'm like, okay, this is where I belong. This is where I belong. This, this, so the heart will always be the synth, synth 80s pop. Um, but then I want to like get a syringe and inject it with like techno and house. So I, that's yeah. like my ideal hybrid is like a dance house 80s like yeah, influence track. Yeah, yes. you're kind of in this electronic zone. Exactly, okay. electronic zone. Yeah, totally. yeah. So you can do kind of like there's a higher level of it is like electronic, you know, and then, you know, like why well, like progressive rock? Because like, yeah. You know, but but you know like pink floyds of the world yeah and, you know, and stuff like that but then also like you know new wave totally and romantic and then <clears throat> a lot of what i like is punk yeah punk yeah and if you think about like a guy like uh trent reznor yeah trent reznor was a way that like wow you can industrial whereas you, you can have a punk attitude with like synth aspects totally and i love that because it kind of mixes like a death metal oh yeah punk yeah and industrial and then you can throw like everything like if you come at yeah. it from like a like a Trent Reznor nine inch nails perspective you you have a wide it's one like all alternative music like yeah you get a band like Smashing Pumpkins is in the same category as Nirvana <laughs> even right. though Nirvana is really grunge right and they're all in the alt and they're right. more punk right but like Smashing Pumpkins could do punk but they do progressive stuff like yes right so they they would do kind of 80s stuff and so they mm. would kind of he was able to go all kinds of directions I love you know, it. Because because wide open. Like I think the more open you have it, then you could like, hey, I'm gonna do a funk groove, or I'm gonna do a soul song, I'm gonna do a neo soul song, I'm gonna do a neoclassic song, I'm gonna do a soul because then you like, okay, I, I don't want to get pigeonholed. So on the same album, right, you can have a funk song, a soul song, an EDM song, a trap song, trick, whatever. <laughs> you know, like because because it's it's all you. Yeah. And the thing about the album form I used to love, yeah, was the fact that you can throw all those things together on one thing yeah but what do you think about like this age seems more to be like in, in, a, in a single kind of focus like if, yeah. if you do things you have to do spotify singles and single videos um are you more like ep album focused or single focused yeah so i definitely for myself as an artist i am ep focused um however i'm also kind of merging with the previous conversation about reaching out is that i love singles with p different people so it's like sometimes there's a person that I connect with and we, we and that we only have the energy to do one track and you know, to do an album, it's like a lot of energy. So yeah, yeah. in that sense, I'm cool with a single because it's like, if this is a one-off piece where we're creating an art together and it, it exists in that space, then that's totally cool. Um, but for myself, like when I look back on my roster of like Benji Bradshaw exclusive, what's his story? Like I definitely am more of an album person because I believe in the uh, visual album slash, um rock opera slash uh yeah. concept concept album you know yeah because it takes more than one song to do a concept yeah. <laughs> unless, yeah unless you do a bohemian rhapsody which is like four or five songs together totally <laughs> i know right yeah no 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 it, it's for me it's like i need to tell a story like every album needs to have a story there's a beginning middle end you know mm -hmm. so i want the listener to feel like they just came on a journey like and a meatloaf, like meatloaf, yeah like, out of hell type of thing totally you know? totally yeah 
Well, I think that's they, you know, there's a there's always a, a place for an album like Bad Out of Hell. Yeah. Or, or or you know, because to me it's like at the end of the day, you always end up going back to stuff like that. And I, I yeah. go back to Tommy, I go back to Pink Floyd because there's something about like back in the day, you know, I used to listen to vinyl. Yeah. Go in the basement with our friends and I could do whatever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but but like the, the idea was did you go and take that vinyl Pink Floyd album like and and you just sit there with your friends and you were like this is like unbelievable. You just like, and you listen to the whole thing. Right. Because that's the way it was meant to be heard. It was like this yeah. beginning to end experience. Right. And right. now I think with playlisting, sometimes what happens is people don't get to enjoy one single artist and their full thing. They're like jumping all around. Yeah. And I know you get to hear different things, but it was, it was kind of like a complete thought. Like, would you go read like 10 pages of a novel and then stop and go to another one? And exactly. Then go to another one? <laughs> no, no. And that's why, like, I honestly, any album that I want to listen to, I make myself listen to the whole thing, you know, and like, I have to, ha I mean, if it's an artist I love, I'll have my headphones on, I'll have the lights out. I'll just sit on my bed and like 45 minutes, whatever, just listen to it. If it's an artist I'm not a big fan of, but I kind of want to hear it, maybe I'll play it in the background, but I yeah, still yeah. will like religiously, like I, if I have a break, I just put pause and I come back to the exact moment where I left off. Cause I want to feel like, what was the story here? <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's, it's I, I, I do think more people though. It's weird. Like in hip hop, a lot of hip hop bands have been very successful with rock operas. If you think mm. about like Tyler, the creator. You know, oh yes. Like, yeah. Ken look with Lamar. I'm like, almost every Tyler the Creator album is a concept, right? You know, the Kendrick Lamar's albums were concepts, yeah. And so, you know, even like when Kanye was doing stuff that I wanted to listen to, <laughs> oh god, yeah. But but it was like it was these big complete thoughts, right? And you didn't just hear listen to one song, right? It seems like rock and roll kind of went away from that. Mm -hmm. So I think people would argue, well, you know, if you go into the indie rock, there's still bands doing that. Yeah, I know. But but like in mainstream rock, that's kind of gone away, and it's it, it been like other genres have picked it up, right? You know, and and it's and that's cool that other genres have picked up like the idea of the rock opera, but right. but I just it, it, I kind of miss you know seeing you know somebody like at a Queens level doing that in right. popular music because I think it's really cool to yeah. have you know, go to a show and you have a, like a whole theme, totally. You know, we used totally. to go see Pink Floyd the wall, and they used to actually put the wall on the stage. Oh wow! They used to actually build the wall. Oh and by my the time God. they were done with the set, the wall covered the band. Wow! <laughs> they would actually build it one block at a time as they were playing, and by the time the show was over, the wall was there. Oh my God! It was just cool because it's like the idea that you can actually do like these stage performances right. that actually mean something. Yeah, you know, you're trying to say something. Yep. And I think, yeah. you know, that's what videos are cool for that today. Cause now as an artist, you can put that out there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, nowadays it's like, that's for me is like the best way at this point to reach people is just through the videos, through, you know, those types of uh, ways of expressing yourself and then like posting it. And like, of course, social media, which is why I like my Instagram is crazy because like, you know, it's like, I just am like, okay, this is my way to get to people because otherwise they will never know I exist. So I'm just like, okay, post videos, make performances, you know, and, but yeah, I mean, I'll, hopefully one day I'll be able to have a show and have like an actual, 
yeah. and I've done shows, but like an actual, actual show where you have like, you know, yeah. a, a ability to have a story. Um, That's but, always been my, my dream is like, I used to do shows in New York and, Oh, cool. And I, like I said, I had my whole costume get up and I would try to do like, you know, four song set. Wow. When I was first going out, cause I would only, they only give me like 15, 20 minutes to play. Wow. And I would try to come out with like a theme, you know, yeah. It would be one of my little rock operas, and um, yeah, I just I just miss playing out there. Though I do do a lot of live stuff on this channel, but um, yeah, I think it's just really um, important for artists to be able to reach an audience, yeah, um, and however they want to. But you know, video does give us a tool, yeah, because then you can control it. And now today, the you know the tools are are very impressive that you don't have to have. No, we got some $30,000 film camera to, to, to actually get an idea across, you know? Totally. No, yeah, you don't. I mean, you can just use your phone and, you know, it's yeah. crazy what people like on TikTok or whatever, just do a selfie and it still reaches everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can do amazing things with all kinds of apps. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of videos with just a bunch of iPhone apps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Totally. Yeah, they just layer one app over the other, over another. And it's like, oh, wow, I just did a bunch of impressive stuff that looked like I did it on a Mac, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like, so, so it's like, I think it's like, like, I think what artists like, and I don't know if you agree with this, is sometimes like if you have a limitation, it can actually, you know, drive how you do something. Like, totally. You know, some artists purposely give themselves like limitations. Like I'm not going to put any symbols on this track. <laughs> I'm only going to have a kick drum on this track or I'm not yeah. going to do and, and they would go in and it's like okay I'm going to force myself into this paradigm to try to make it come out different you know Wow. There's some people that's how they approach things and they, they, they yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm going to only do it with like like you know these type of things and limit my capability to force myself to say what can I do out of the box right you know yeah no exactly I mean, I think, I mean, sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes like you just are, especially with independent artists. I mean, there's always, you have to kind of work around, you know, there's always things like, okay, I don't have this budget or I don't have this ability to do this. Okay. Let's, how can we make it the same way, but a different way, you know? Um, but I think definitely for me, I think it's been about, um, you know, when I, when I'm producing is hard because like to produce a whole record on yourself is you know, there's so many limitations because it's like I need this done differently. But it's like having that limitation actually can make you work even harder and also learn so much because you're like, okay, like for example, like with the song I'm working on, it's like, okay, I don't have this experience in the EQ stuff, but I'm gonna like I'm learning a lot basically as I go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, know? the tools today are so impressive. Yeah, that you're able to, um, you know, do a lot of things like. I because I, like I'm like I think like you said you're you really want to be um, a control freak. I'm a control right. freak, so, mm. so I I decided I want to control how my stuff gets engineered and mastered. Yep. Because I I, I worked with this producer and I work with I work with record companies that have engineers. Yeah. And I like I didn't like what they did. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm like okay. I know you're supposed to have gone to Berkeley and you know what you're doing, whatever. But <laughs> like, like, there's stories about Hendrix, yeah. right? Where Hendrix came up with a new style of playing. The recording engineers at his time 
didn't want his feedback to be on the record. They try to EQ it out, right? They say, you shouldn't do that. You're like, you're too loud. You're too, you have all this weird noise. What's all this stuff, right? So the engineers at the time, they were like telling oh, this is all bad. Wow. And then Hendricks like kicked him out. And a lot of times he'd go on the board himself. Wow. It's kind of like what, showing the dedication of an artist and saying, hey, this is what I hear. Yeah. And this is what I want. And I don't care if you went to Berkeley or whatever. Like, totally. I know what I want. Right. And I think if you're driven, and of course, like, yeah, sound engineers have a technique. But yeah. I think there's a situation where, like, if you're a driven artist and you have a very good idea of what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, you could get a producer that can enhance what you're doing. Right. I don't like producers that change who you are. Right. I like, I like producers that if they come in and they see somebody like a Karen Carpenter, they make her sound mm. better. Right. Right. Exactly. They, they, they make Dylan sound better, but they don't mm-hmm. change Dylan. They just make him sound better. Right. You know? Totally. Yeah. No, it's like, I mean, that's the ideal dream. Cause I mean, I, I, I'm at the point now too where it's like, I, and that's why it took me so long because for the last 10, 12 years I'm working around EP and music. And it's like, I have this exact vision of how the music should sound, how it needs to feel, et cetera. And it's hard to really trust someone to reach out and say, Hey, this is what I have. I want some input, but it kind of needs to stay like this vibe, <laughs> you know, um, it's really hard. And, but you're right. Like, it, I think that's the best when someone could stay true to who they are and what they as the artist envision for the music. Um, you know, yeah, I know when I produce, I always like to take the original demo of the artist. And a lot of times I'll keep ton, like 70 to 80% of their original demo. Oh, wow. And, and just like, even sometimes, like if they go and do the vocal 10 times, then I think the vocal on the demo is better. Right. I'll keep the original. Wow. Because sometimes what I feel like even they'll say, well, there's a mistake in it, you know, but if you go back and you listen to a lot of classic albums, yeah, like there's a famous album, like from Todd Rundgren, the hello, it's me. Wow. Like it's very famous, like song. Yeah. If you listen to that song, it's got errors in its production. Wow. But it was like he, the producer looked at it and said, this actually might not be the best take, but for this song, it works. Right. So even if it has an error, Sometimes yeah. the honesty of the earlier take seems to work better. And I've always told people like you could do something a hundred times, but sometimes like that third or second take is the best you're ever going to get. Right. With, with, because I think what happens, the further you get away from the original intent of a song, yeah, you start to rewrite what your intention was. Yeah. Yeah. If so you want true. it closer to what you originally wanted, you're probably going to keep the earlier version. Yep. <laughs> totally. It's so annoying. <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's actually not annoying. It's annoying when you kind of think when you don't realize that in the moment and you're like, I need to keep doing it. I keep doing it. But it's comforting in the sense that, to know, like, just sometimes you got to just do it like twice and that's it three times. And like something's in there. You, you, I don't know. That's why I, I try to aim for that, you know, because yeah, and it saves like, time, you know, I've heard like Elton John was like famous for talking about like yellow brick road. And he said most of the songs were third take. No way. Yeah, but he said because like the thing that happens when you're an artist, you can get into this perfection thing that go, right. they'll actually destroy it. Right? Totally, you've heard I've heard an artist going and doing something like a hundred times, a thousand times, yeah. and then the producer saying that like it's really like the second, third take is the best one. Yeah, right. So you just went and did like a hundred takes, right? Something like the third take is actually the best one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so sometimes you just get and then out and kind of 
it was cool by him in the documentary. He was like, I stay, I, I came to realize that I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take like the second, third, fourth take. And that's it. I'm just going to let it go wow. and go to the next thing. And I think if you think like that, you're like, wow, that's because it's like a, it's like a painter. It's like how many right. times is he going to keep on hitting it? <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. Right. I would, the next one I'll do something different. You know, yeah. that's kind of like the way I look at music is like sound painting. Totally. And if you think of it in that way, you're not going to keep on hitting it unless yeah. it's a layer that you want to enhance. Totally. You know, that's a really good point. I need to think of it that way. Is yeah, it's it's true. It's like you know that that's the beauty of it. And that like first, even if there's a little mistake or something, it's like you know that, but the listener is like feels their emotion because when you say it that way, it communicates something differently. So it's like when it gets too in your head, I mean, you're never gonna get perfect. It's like I mean, there are ideals deals of like okay, it should sound this way, and you should hit the note this way, but it's like. It, you know, you're the artist and you're trying to t tell a story through your lens and your voice and your story. So, you know, sometimes it's not going to be what other what you think it should be. It's just what you are is good enough, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times what happens is like you're honest with yourself at the beginning and then you start saying, wow, I didn't really want to say that. Yeah. And then yeah. you tend to be trying to like hide or, or get rid of that initial intention. Totally. And and so like a lot of times when you're an artist, you have to kind of trust your gut and say, yeah, maybe I revealed too much. Maybe, <laughs> you know, and maybe, maybe it's a little too close to the bone, but that is actually the one that's the most honest. Right. Actually it's going to resonate better than if I start to, you know, hide it. And there's famous like print songs where he would do a very personal track that meant something about what was going on in his life. And then he'd be going back to it and he's like, oh, I don't know if I should put that. <laughs> <laughs> and the producer to be like, Prince, don't erase that because that's like the best one. Right. And he's like, and, he, and there was one song where it was so personal, he actually erased it. <gasps> and the engineer was like so pissed off because like, like this song was so good. And he's like, he told me, like, put it on a race and erase it. Wow. It was, like, way too personal. And so normally Prince was like one of these guys, he would put it down. Mm hmm. But this one was a, it hit the it hit the bone the wrong way. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that kind of shows you, man. It's kind of like like you put yourself out there as an artist, and you have to decide what you're comfortable with. You know? Yeah. Totally. I mean, you're gonna, you know, it's like that thing where you have to be, you want it, you want to be risky enough that it's honest and that it's gonna say something. But sometimes you do kind of say a little too much. <laughs> but um, oh. But, you know, it's like um, one of those things you just kind of have to go through it. And I think um, for me, the the story always has to be, I mean, the story can change eventually. Like you say it once and it comes out one way and maybe over time you look at the song in a different way because you're like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I thought I was saying this, but it's actually deeper than I thought. Like I, Or maybe it's different than I thought, but I like this thought better. <laughs> you know, so that's what. That is another thing about when it's um, that kind of the improv aspect of just like doing it and just feeling your gut and just feeling the melody and just going with it. And yeah, like a stream you know, of consciousness. I think yeah. sometimes I, I'm a big believer in in using stream of consciousness to develop song lyrics. Like I might have an idea before mm -hmm. I go into a recording session that I'll have this general like idea why I want it to be, mm -hmm. and then I'll kind of just let it go, and then. In, in the middle of it, I might come up with something kind of just out of the ether. 
you know, it just comes out of, I think it's like this idea of the muse. I think all yeah. songwriters, we tap into this universal thing. Yeah. And really what it is, is because you're a songwriter, right? You are, your mind, your creative mind is basically got all the things that you love, all mm -hmm. the things that you, the music you listen to, all the lyrics that you love. And then as a musician, you interpret what you, those, those, like all those reference points and you make it your own. Right. And when you do like a stream of consciousness, what happens is like, if you record in that way, you kind of unconsciously have the things that were going on in your head come out. Totally. And, and then it's like, if you could, if you physically just try to sit and write on the page and then say, well, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you might, you might get it right. But a lot of times things are happy accidents. <laughs> totally. And, and I feel yeah. like if you just let the tape go and then start flowing over a beat, that sometimes you get something that if you try to, you know, declaratively, explicitly try to create it, that you'll probably not feel as comfortable as if you just tried to freeform it. Totally. Yeah. You know, you gotta, gotta go for it and you gotta just see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just part of the nature of being a musician. I mean, you got other people who are real, you know, sticklers for going on the page and writing the bars. Right. And I understand either you got the Tim Pan Alley type of, you know, Carol Kings of the world. The times <laughs> of the world, they actually like did write it down. And it's like, okay, right. I understand that. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, it's just, the, today it's like a different, I think everybody's kind of using their voice memos or using their dialogue. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, so yeah, do you, like, what do you do? Do you kind of just, um, do you put lyrics down first in a voice memo? Or do you kind of, you know, uh, write that, something down in a diary or notepads or what, what's your yeah. process? Yeah. So, I mean, I always want to do that. I always, my goal is to always have ideas already on paper so that I can just turn to them. But inevitably what happens is I just feel it in the moment. So for example, I usually will start with like, um, like synthesizer keys. Like I'll do like the actual music part first for me. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that'll just, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I can think of the, the syllables and like the, the, like kind of the count and everything. If I just hear the music first, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing recently is just having, so I'll go on the keyboard first, but I kind of, when I go to the keyboard, know the kind of vibe I'm going to go for. So like with Lorona, we played earlier, like I, it was a sad time. So I was like, I definitely know I want a dark, some dark uh, melodies here. Mm -hmm. So when I did that first and then that way I already had in my, in my head, I was like, okay, I want a dark song. I wanted something about coronavirus, something about being alone, something about being, desperate and i want it very theatrical and dramatic and so then like i went i have a little closet here with my mic and then i was just heard the music and then just sang whatever came out so that's kind of and then in my head i i kind of i like to write pop songs so i kind of know there's like two choruses there's two i mean there's two uh verses there's the choruses there's a bridge mm -hmm. so i like we'll make it like a four minute track basically on a loop and then just sing and do the you know for six minutes straight or whatever three minutes straight just do it and then do it like three times and then from there then i go into like okay i liked how this was said and sometimes i'll keep the words actually that from the like you said the original take sometimes the words i need are there thank you pepper <laughs> thank you jackie um and uh so if that's kind of how i go that's how i start and then i just refine and refine so like once i have the structure then i'll go back and then i'll like say things like that love you anna <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I think it's like it, it, I've talked to songwriters and they're like, yeah, I mean, I know guys in bands that like sometimes like they can't do it unless all five, four or five members of the band are together, right? Oh, wow. Gotta, yeah, I've talked to bands like rock bands. Wow. Where a lot of times it's like a collaborative thing. Unless it's kind of like like in some rock bands, you have like an alpha, mm. like you know, and there's like or there's like a Lennon McCartney, where mm. like within within a rock band, there'll be two guys that are the main writers. Yeah, and then they've got to be physically together to do anything, and yeah. the rest of the guys kind of follow their lead. They're like the alphas and they're controlling everything. <laughs> um, um, and then you know, and then people are kind of like, well, okay, well, am I an employer or am I a member of the band? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know. And then when you get the singer songwriters, they're kind of by themselves. They they would kind of like, okay, well, I, I I do it multiple ways, right? You know, I might be out and I just do a voice memo or I do a diary or stream of consciousness or I go on the DAW and I explicitly do everything, right? But what I found, <clears throat> one thing I've been doing mm. is I purposely go live, not really knowing what I'm going to do, and just jam for like an hour. Oh and, wow! And then tape it, and then go back and pull out the new songs that come out of that. Ooh, which is kind of like if, if, if this is a technique that like Frank Zappa used to do, and like Neil Young and Crazy Horse, they would just go and just play, mm-hmm. and then run the tape and then record everything they were doing, and then go back and listen to the reels and say, "Hey, here's the song," and then they would go and take pieces of the reels. And say, hey, we got a groove here. We got this line here. We got, and so oh. it's, it's a way to kind of force yourself. If you're hitting a, like a creative wall, because what happens if you go live, you can't start and stop. Ooh. So what you do is you're forcing yourself to do a live show, and you can't start and stop. So it's all stream of consciousness, and you go and do all these ideas, and you can't like, you know, you know, keep on starting and stopping. You got to right. kind of just go with it. Right. So it forces you to go with it and then see what happens. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's, it's a do, cool way of doing yeah. it. Do you do it on Twitch or where do you, you do, do it? do it like on Facebook, Twitch, and like the way I'm doing now. Okay, I cool. I use this to go live and it goes to like Twitch and my YouTube and my yeah. Facebook. A lot of my stuff, like Amazing. that song I did that you liked. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was like a stream um, of consciousness thing. And then I went back and overdubbed on it. Got it, got it, got it. So wow. you, you can take like a live performance and then you can overdub it yeah. and add other stuff to it. Right. Which is an old like 70s technique where a lot mm-hmm. of bands, would, you know, Cream and Almond Brothers, they live yeah. record something and then do tons of overdubs on top of it and then turn it into what it would seem like a studio song that actually was a live track that then becomes a studio track as they overdub it. Wow. Which is, is a cool way of doing it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, and I love that you're doing. I, yeah, I mean, you're inspiring me because I think that is true. It's like when you kind of make yourself work, and you kind of know you're on. You kind of, and you can't. And it's recorded, so you know it's you can't hit stop. You have to keep going. So I think that's a great way. And then how you kind of took the layers and kind of went back and kind of did some post stuff to it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's just another way of doing it. That, yeah, that kind of you know is. You know, I, 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 I've, there's all kinds of way to record. It's not any one right way. Yeah. In my opinion, I think how every artist approaches it is like their own thing. Yeah, exactly. It's everyone's own way of doing it. Totally. So are you working on stuff for 2022? Yes. Brand new project. Maybe talk about that. Yeah. I'm so excited. So there's a lot of different things going on. Um, One thing that 
that you actually might think is interesting. So there's like this thing called slick control, which I put on my Instagram, but it's basically, it's a collective where it's like a very experimental collective. And my friend and collaborator, Melissa, who I've done, I actually had my first show. She gave me my first show back a few years ago. Um, but we're doing this thing where it's like very like kind of like the NFT world, like visual, and then we're doing music and I'm kind of orchestrating music for it. And then we're doing collaborations with other remixers and their artists. So that I'm hoping that we're gonna have our first debut next year for that first CP, which is really cool. It's something very different from my normal pop music, but it's also kind of an extension of myself. Um, so that's one thing. And then I'm doing a lot of hopefully having releasing a lot of collaborations of like remix st style, um, like EDM, house music remixes. And then I hope, hope, hope to have my debut EP come out finally next year, um, which will be again, back on that like visual slash um, concept album thing where- A YouTube video album. Yes. You have a yeah. video for every song. Right, so I wanna do like that. I mean, I think because this is my debut, it's not, and it's not gonna be, a, probably it's more of an LP. I mean, it's only five tracks, but it's it's meant to be like a preview and like an intro into who I am because it's been too far too long. And then I think from there, I'll have the actual album, like, you know, like tw 12, 10 st songs, whatever, which is the actual main event. Full, full album, yeah. Full album, and then I, and that album is actually a three-part concept album. So there's actually three sets of album. songs. That's like, that's why I'm so like, overwhelmed because I have like basically four albums to do three and they're all written. They're all written. It's just, they're not produced the way I want them to be. That's, so that's yeah. Cool to have stuff like, yeah. I mean, I think it's always cool when you have a vision that, that, that's um, that elaborate. It's like, yeah. Being an artist, like I mean, I record pretty much like every day. Wow. I just have like, because I have this home studio, I mean, like, I, like, I, I, I don't stop, you know, yeah. I just, if I have it, I don't have to go somewhere. So I can yeah. just turn my gear on and put something down. And then the right. problem is like, I have to edit myself to how much, like I, I used to put out a lot of material and I still did. I mean, this album, this year I put out like seven albums. What? And I'm crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and like, then, you know, I actually have like two in the can. I didn't put out. Wow. So nine records. And I got like, so, and the thing is, I started looking at one of the records and it's like, at the time I wrote it, I had, I had this punk attitude and there's like a lot of angry songs on it. <laughs> and then, and then I'm like, well, I don't know. Now I'm looking at it like, and I'm not in that space. Right. But then I'm like, those songs are good, but I don't know right. if I want to put them out. Mm. <laughs> and then I went and did like this whole other set of music that's like a little softer and not, you know, it's more romantic. And I said, well, maybe that's where my head's at. So maybe mm. this other thing I'll put out next year sometime. Like if I get angry again, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I'll put it out. And, and then sometimes, like as an artist, like you have stuff in the can, right? You know, stuff you're working on, and like one day you're like, "This is the thing I want," right? And then the next day you're like, "Oh, now I'm going this other direction." So well, now I put this on the shelf and do this other thing, <laughs> you know? right? Exactly. I, yeah, I find myself doing that like all the time. Can't yeah. Like, so, do you actually have like friends? when you're a singer songwriter it's really cool if you have friends that are willing to listen to your like unreleased material and give you cool feedback yes so i you know i'm really thankful that i've had a few like i mean i've had friends from the beginning that like when i started writing music that they've always been like i'd be happy to hear it and so i have people i trust that i will send them stuff and then now uh, exactly no shuffle 
Um, but also with like, I think what um, Gautier Amalde said on one of his questions about, you know, like I, so I kind of, since the pandemic went on Twitch, I mean, Twitch became kind of like a safe place for me and to like, just have a community. And so through Twitch, I've met all these amazing, really incredible DJ remixers, artists. And so now I have a whole like family of people that I feel like I could trust, you know? Yeah, there we go. Um, you know, with, with these kind of people. So but maybe that's not fully your question, but part of it, yeah. Part of it is just that I feel like that I've improved because I have so many people now that I can communicate with. Yeah, I think it's really cool to have, um, you know, other artists. And this part of the reason I do the podcast is yeah. I'm able to get, you know, just by talking to other musicians directly. Totally. You know, I think when you're a musician, this is so valuable. That oh, like yeah. Every, yeah. Every time I get to talk to another, you know, creator, it, it is like the light bulbs go off in your head because like, okay, whoa, I'm listening to like your vision of how you do work. Right. Right. And it's very cool to be able to, you know, talk to other creators when you're a creator yourself. Right. Because it just, I think, you know, in this pandemic, one of the things we haven't been able to do is like, I used to be able to go to New York, go to a club, play and then meet other musicians and then like talk after yeah. the show, say, Hey, you know, I like your sound. What are you doing here? You know, and now I actually do it this way. Right. Know? Which is, you know, something I really miss and I, I wanted to keep going and, I'm doing it this way. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. So, so um, one of the things I always like to ask people is what do you think about the way music is on um, the businesses today? Like with the, the, the Spotify and Instagram and the Facebook and Twitch is like, what, what are like the pros and cons and mm -hmm. what, what are your feelings of like what, the, what the future should be? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think as we already said about the shuffle thing, um, you know, I think I think I read that they're changing that. I think like Adele's album, they yeah, or, she forced them to turn it. Oh, off. Oh, she forced them to turn it off. Oh my god, I love Adele. <laughs> um, you know, it's the thing is, is that I I feel like it's a really they're definitely a pro and a con. I think because the pro I think is that anyone could be a musician now. It's like, and that's I think it's a great thing. It's like if someone wants to be creative, because for example, on TikTok, I'm seeing people. I just joined recently, but I'm seeing like. Yeah just people like will make up songs and it goes viral. And it's like, it's literally them like on GarageBand or like doing something like that would seem very small, but then it goes viral. And then they, and then I, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, I think it's a beautiful thing that somebody could literally, literally have an idea and then have it go viral. And then their life has changed forever or they have a new fan base. So in that way, I think it's fantastic. Um, but at the same time, it, it also adds to saturation because there's so many people that can make music and can be creative and can like put content out. So it does also at the, at the other side of it makes it seem like everyone's doing it and there's nowhere to focus. Like, where is it that I go to, yeah. uh, you know, and that's kind of tricky. Um, but then in terms of the mainstream aspect, I mean, I think it's still, you know, it's still kind of the same in terms of like, there's these artists that, feel like once you get to a certain level it's almost like feel manufactured you know it's like they're just so perfect they're so yeah the production I think, yeah i think the product there's a certain group of producers yeah that that and the thing of this this has even happened in the old days right if you think yeah. about it like motown had a system right and almost all the artists were in the same kind of zone right because you had the funk brothers pretty much right and everything right you right. had smokey and the funk brothers 
and Marvin Gaye were writing like everything. So yeah. it was all coming from a certain group of people. Now it was really good music, but it was all a certain flavor. Right. And the, today we have the same thing. We have certain producers that have a certain flavor. If it gets millions of sales, then then the companies say, well, that's what you should do. Yeah. Right? So they kind of then pigeonhole everybody. Like, well, that's the only way to get million to hit is, right. to, is to do that. And the problem is, like you just said, like it, the, it doesn't take into account for that viral TikTok person that did it on GarageBand. Right. It's not doing it like the million seller producer. Right. But then suddenly gets the same result. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's kind of crazy. It's like, it's, it's cool until you become that level. And then you're like, okay, I'm just back to like what it was when it wasn't cool. So it's, it's just that aspect is not exciting, but I think the fact that you can, that anyone could create something and potentially it could be seen by so many is, is a great thing. Um, but you know, in terms of the business side, I think it's still obviously the money aspect in terms of like, you know, I, I think performing is where the money is or like yeah. streaming eventually, yeah. um, you know, because music now is just so easy to just anyone can listen to it, like on YouTube, Spotify. Yeah. And if you're not a mainstream artist getting like millions of millions and millions and millions of listens or billions of listens, you're really not you're really not making anything. Yeah. yeah, you're not monetized. So you really kind of have to think outside the box and either um figure out how to get <laughs> that mainstream thing or to really kind of put your show money in different or get your money in different ways like merchandise i guess or yeah performing. Merch is a big thing and they performing but what i do is i do a lot of influencing you know oh i would like social influencers where i you know i'll go and get like a product smart pitch, you know people will send me products to test yeah and then i pitch them and then also like you know i'm in a pro organization like bmi yeah. I make sure I register all my songs. Yeah. And then right now I have a thing where a lot of my songs can be um, actually used by Twitch streamers. And oh. BMI registers my music so they can legally use it. But then cool. I get a percentage. So, I mean, a Very lot cool. of stuff you do through like sync licensing, you try to get your music in the film and the TV, right. get it into advertising. Like if you can get a 30 second jingle. Yeah. And, and like if I can get a piece of ghost music to be in an ad. Right. I'll make more music than I make on Spotify all year. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> you know, so it's there's different things you can do as a, a musician. If you think about music is used everywhere. Right. So if you start to think about like, well, what if I monetize my music to, so my music can be used in a video game? Right. Or it can be used on a TV show or an ad right. or, 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 or somewhere. Right. right. Or, or it can be used on Facebook. Some Facebook person can use it in their video. Right. And, and then you actually then actually you can make money right um and it's not like like you're in the top 10 but you're doing right. it in all these other ways right and it's still coming in and then it gets you to do what you want to do right and and it's not the traditional old school way of doing it but there's like new ways to do things totally yeah you guys think outside the, outside the box and i think that that's a great idea you know is like getting it that way um is definitely a major way to do it Good, then it funds your EP and it funds your album. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you no, you do yeah. what you want. And then whether or not that's like where your primary source is, but you still get what you want out there, you know, and then you can use that material to tour and perform. Totally. So it, it still gets you there. Totally. So, yeah, we, we're at the top of the hour for our for our program, but we, this would buy quick because we like to kind of just do this uh, like full interview. 
uh kind of no bounds and just talk about like everything so i love it hope you you liked it (laughs) yes thank you so much for having me this has been a complete fun time and honor and i love what you're doing and i saw all your everyone definitely check out um phantom electric ghost uh pages and youtube because there's a lot of videos on youtube especially with like the performances and stuff so thank you so much because i I have my own band besides uh, interviewing and it's cool when people push it i don't always try to show everybody what i'm doing but yeah it's um you know because when i have people on the podcast it's about them but yeah (laughs) people talk about my my music as well (laughs) of course yeah um yeah so this is great what we like to do is like we always invite any of our guests to come back when their project is ready to be revealed we've done album reveal episodes so whenever your ep is ready to go or drop or you got a new video let us know we have Thank people you. come on multiple times and uh if you're interested in the peg festival let us know because we are booking for that february 11th yeah. through the 13th and uh you know everybody come and check that out and uh yeah support uh you know Benji Bradshaw, uh, make sure you hit the link. And what we always tell people, if you like a musician, subscribe, yeah. uh, playlist, uh, hit the like button, hit the favorite button, you know, make yeah. sure that you do that because that is very important to re- have register your, the impact that, that you, the, the listener has. So just yeah. don't go buy it without hitting the like or the favorite right. playlist in it. That's how you help. Just like you help a YouTuber. Right. You can help a musician by making sure you do do all those things. Amen. Totally. Yeah, it helps so much. I know it sounds stupid, silly. It's like, oh, I'm just liking something. But really, it does add up. And that's almost sometimes better than buying a song at this point. It's like, I mean, buy the song too. But, yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> yeah, always buy a song. But also, like everything, because that really helps us. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Oh, and just to let everybody yeah. know, we, they, we are now on Spotify video podcast within an hour. This Ooh. will be on as a video podcast on Spotify. If you go to Spotify podcast, when this is up, you'll actually be able to watch the video the same way that you watch it on YouTube or Twitch. Wow. Technology. Yeah. We're in, the the beta, we're in the beta program. So we got in there. So we're, we're a small podcaster, but we got there. Yay. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. Cool. We'll talk to you later. Did I later? Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. This is Josephine Electric, the lead singer of Phantom Electric Ghost. And so Newsly, it picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time in history on the net, the web becomes listenable. Uh, So they have, um, you can browse articles and topics and choose what you want to have start playing, stop scrolling, start listening. They also have podcasts as well as you can explore trending podcasts from 40 countries. Our podcast, The Fam Electric Ghost Show with uh, Phantom is over here too on Newsly. So download the Newsly app for free now uh, at www.newsly.me. So that's www.newsly.me. And um, use that link in a, on the podcast and use promo code 
ghost 2021 that's ghost 2021 and receive one free month premium subscription and as, when you're at it listen to the anchor podcast on uh, phantom electric ghost where we interview independent artists from around the world and um you get the get a window behind the music of independent artists that you might not normally listen to. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Fam Electric Ghost and Josephine Electric.